Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Thrive Church, a church passionate about moving people towards Jesus. Okay. So it's such a great privilege for me to be uh, preaching this afternoon. Pastor B and Pastor Kanda are away, and I want to honor and thank them uh, in their absence. But it's a privilege to continue with our series called Saving Nothing for the Next Life. And uh, I really believe that this is something that we can take hold of. And as we move uh, into 2020, uh, we can live lives that are full, live lives that are filled with love, filled with purpose, if we really take uh, this on. So uh, let's pray quickly, and then I'll carry on from there. Father God, we thank you uh, just that we get to spend time in your presence, that we get to uh, be together, come together as the church, and I just pray that every word that comes from my mouth would be Holy Spirit inspired, and God, would you open up our hearts so that we can receive a special word from you, and we thank you for this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, when I think of saving nothing for the next life, I think of the two different types of people you get when you fill up your petrol tank. And everyone knows what I'm about to get at. They are the people who, when the car gets to like past halfway, they start looking like, where's the next petrol station? Uh, like they're frantic and scared that they are gonna be out with, like, out with petrol. And then there's the other people who are like, you know what, I know my car. And uh, they can go like two full days Without, with their petrol lights on before they even consider putting in petrol. So who are those risky people? Put up your hand, yes. Kulu, put up your hand. <laughs> I'm like, he's like sitting there with his hand down because unlike what people might think about us, I am the like panicker, okay? You know, like we need to get petrol, we need to get petrol. Kulu, on the other hand, is the risk taker. But because of this, he has been stuck numerous times without petrol, and uh, this chop has to go and save him. And I'm like, just learn from your mistakes when, you know, that is why there is a petrol light, okay? But you see, me, when I get, it gets me thinking of, of how we can live a life that is safe, or we can live a life that leaves nothing in reserve. And you know, I believe that as we head into 2020, we need to ask the question, what type of life do we want to live? A life that is safe, filled with worry or fear, a life that hoards and never gives, a life that is predictable, or the life that is filled with excitement and exhilaration, with experiences, even if it's been stuck on the side of the highway. It's a little on edge, yes, but filled and lived to the full. And I think God wants us to live life to the full. I think he wants us to live this one and only life that he has given us to the absolute nth degree, to suck the marrow out of the bone type of life. And we can see this in his word. In John 10 verse 10, it says, a thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I, Jesus speaking, have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. Jesus came so that we could have life with him in eternity, yes, but he also came so that we could live an abundant life and a good and full life here on earth. So what causes us then to live small lives? 
You know, there's, we always, at the beginning of the year, have the promise of doing great things, but what causes us to shy away from that? What causes us to stop ourselves from stepping out of our comfort zones and, and reaching for those goals and those dreams that we've had for our lives? I think it boils down to one simple thing, which is fear. Fear grips us, and if we let it, it decides for us what we can do and what we cannot do. And that's not going to help us live a life that saves nothing for the next life. Now, fear, uh, fear, fear <laughs> is very real to us in South Africa, but I'm not talking about physical fear. I'm talking about the fears that attack our thinking, attack our minds, attack, attack our thought life. You know, things that stop us from becoming all that God is calling us to be. So here are some of the fears that stop us from living our lives to the full, and maybe you can uh, relate to some of these. Fear of failure, fear of uncertainty, fear of inadequacy, fear of rejection, of change, of losing control. Who's a control freak in this? Yeah, they're like... <laughs> fear of being judged, fear of getting hurt or being disappointed, Fear of being uncomfortable or inconvenienced. But shouldn't things like this scare us more? Like missing out on our purpose because we didn't risk a little bit more. Or looking back on our lives with regret because we just didn't trust God enough with that goal or with that dream. Having regrets about people who we should have loved more or cared for more, but we were just too scared to be disappointed again or, or heartbroken again. Which is scarier, church? Taking a risk and getting out of our comfort zone today or getting to the end of our life and, re and realizing that we have regret after regret of things that we just didn't do. Why don't you take a moment right now and fast forward your life 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ahead and what will you be thinking about your life in that moment? Will you be looking back thinking, you know what, I lived every day like it was the, the last day I gave it my best. I did new experiences. I went after that goal with everything that I had. I pursued a relationship with God and I pursued a friendship with Him. Or will you be sitting at the end of your life thinking, I should have, I wish, I could have. That is not the life that we're meant to live. So I've always told people that I have four moms. I've got my biological mom, then I've got my two much older sisters, Joe and Carl, and then I have or had my nanny, Elizabeth, who I called sis, because as a one-year-old, I couldn't say Elizabeth, so sis it was, and the name kind of just stuck in our family. And those four women who I'm eternally grateful for were always at my side, no matter what time of day, I at least had one of them or all of them around me. And it, it's, like I said, I'm eternally grateful for them, but as a result, I really think that I started to live a life that was too safe because I always had protection. I always had people stepping in. If I was about to fail at something, they'd step in and help me. If I was too scared to do something, they would just do it for me. Uh, I always had people making sure I looked good, especially my older sister. And, you know, so I always had people and these amazing women around me, but as a result, I started to develop a fear of failure because I knew or I felt like I couldn't do anything without them. I had a fear of failure, fear of disappointing people. And I'll never forget grade 10 camp. 
This camp was, everyone knew, where they started looking for the prefix for matric. And you know, camps weren't good for someone who didn't want to take their sister and their nanny and their mom <laughs> with them. So I went into every camp thinking, uh-oh, this is not going to be good. And grade 10 camp was no different. And I remember going uh, to camp and on the outside, you're like with your friends, woohoo, camp, yeah. And then the inside, you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And with every obstacle that came my way, I was always faced with the fear of failure. I thought, I can't do this. And so it got so bad that on the one day we had to do wall climbing. I don't know. I mean, who does wall climbing? Like, you never do it in your day-to-day. Now, all of a sudden, in front of people, now you have to do it. And I remember, and I'm embarrassed to say this, but I faked a sprained ankle because I was like, this is not gonna happen. It's not gonna end well, so I'm just not gonna do it. And uh, the teachers probably could see that I was like faking it, so they tried to coerce me to do it, but I was not having it, and so I didn't, I didn't do most of the activities at camp. But I will never forget a few months later, sitting in the school hall, waiting uh, in anticipation as our headmaster called out the names of the prefects. And my two best friends sitting either one on side, uh, side of me and Robin, Anna, and Amy just never came. And I remember in that moment, and it was like an immediate flashback to camp. Because I hadn't pushed myself out of my comfort zone, because I hadn't taken a risk, because I hadn't stretched myself, I was now living with regret because of something that I really wanted. I really wanted to be a prefect, but I hadn't pushed myself to reach that goal. I hadn't uh, been uh, adventurous enough or, or pushed myself so that I could reach what I wanted. And so I think this is, you know, fear that like looking back, it's not the end all to be a prefect. I mean, it doesn't affect the rest of your life. I don't think, I don't know. I won't know, so. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but it really, it's not the end all, but the fear that grips you then is still the fear that can carry on in your life. If you don't fight it, it's the fear that can still stop you from reaching other significant goals. And so I don't wanna be the person anymore who misses out. I don't wanna be the person anymore who is always afraid to step out. I, wanna, I don't wanna be the person who gives lame excuses. I want to be the person who lives life to the full and who never leaves anything for the next life. So we all face fears. And we can't stop fears from coming our way, but we can decide what we do with them. And I think God's word, which is there to equip us and shape us and mold us, is there to help us and gives us the answer of how we can fight fear. And I believe that God's word tells us that we can fight fear with love. In 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, it says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. The fears we have are not from God, but he does equip us with how we can uh, uh, fight the fear in our lives. And in 1 John 4, 9 to 12, also verses 17 to 19, and this is where we're gonna camp this evening, it says this, the light of God's love shined within us when he sent his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him. This is love. 
He loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. Delightfully loved ones. If he loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor. But if we love one another, God makes his permanent home in us and we make our permanent home in him. And his love is brought to its full expression in us. Dropping down to verse 17, it says, by living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment. Because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. Love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Our love for one another is our grateful, grateful response to the love God first demonstrated to us. So from the scripture, how do we fight fear with love? Well, firstly, we need to know that we are loved by God. And secondly, we need to love others with that exact same love. And the result of this, the result of this perfect love that we receive from God and share with others is that fear is dispelled from our lives. So at this time, I want to call Shani up. She's going to help me quickly. Let's give her a round of applause. So firstly, we need to love, uh, know that we are loved by God. I love what it says in verse 10. It says this, he has loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. So as you can see, I have this beautiful mirror here. Who likes looking in the mirror, looking at themselves in the mirror? Yes. It's normally the same people who like selfies. Okay, so... But in all seriousness, you know, sometimes we can look at ourselves in the mirror figuratively or uh, literally, and we can say things like this. I have that big plan for my life, but I'm not good enough. And we etch that onto our lives, and we look at ourselves, and we think, that is who I am. I'm not good enough. I want to try cut out that bad habit, but I've always failed at everything. I want to have a personal relationship with God, but I'm not worthy or I'm worthless. I have the desire to meet new people, to make new friendships, even find a life partner, but I'm afraid of rejection. And there are so many more. My sin is too big. I'm fearful. I don't have the skills. I prefer convenience. I don't want to be pushed out of my comfort zone. These are all the things that we can say to ourselves, all the fears and all our uh, weaknesses that we label ourselves with. But you know what the scripture says? It says in verse 17, because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. In other versions, it says in this world, we are like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, for God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us, so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. And so the point that I wanna make is that we can fight fear by knowing that when God sees us, he doesn't see us. 
He doesn't see all these flaws. He doesn't see that we're a failure or think that we're a failure. He doesn't see our sin anymore. He sees Jesus. That is all he sees. And so when we look at the mirror, all he sees and all we should see, whoopsie, is Jesus. And maybe that's an image that you need to take away today. That when he sees you, he doesn't see all your mistakes, all your flaws, all your failures. He sees his perfect son, Jesus. If we're going to leave nothing for the next life, to fight fear with love, we need to know that God loves us. And he loved us first before we even knew him. He sees us, but he sees Jesus So how does this help us leave nothing for the next life? You know, you can sit here and think, well, I knew God loved me, but how does that help me to fight fear? Well, think about before you do or try anything, already knowing that you are loved and accepted. Before you go after a goal, before you uh, try your hand at anything, before you do things for God, you know that your, your identity is not even on the line because you are loved and accepted. When he sees you, he sees Jesus. And so God's love empowers us to go into every day confidently, knowing that he uh, empowers us, he loves us, and we can put our hand at anything and know that our identity is not on the line. We are a child of God. So a few practical things that we can do uh, to help us in 2020. Firstly, face your fears. And the best way to do that is to verbalize them or to write them down. Maybe you're struggling with one of these, rejection, fear of failure like I did. Write it down and then invite God to come into that situation, to come into that fear and to help you conquer it. Secondly, replace negative thoughts that you think about yourself with what God says about you. You know, we're heading into uh, a few days, 10 days of prayer and fasting, and we should be in God's word, asking him, what do you say about me? You know, I might think that I'm a failure, but you say I'm more than a conqueror. I might think that I'm not good enough, but you say I'm accepted and that I'm loved. And these are the things that we should be thinking about ourselves. So we need to firstly realize that God loves us and he accepts us. And that's how we firstly fight fear. And secondly, we need to love others with the same love. So in early December last year, Kulu and I were coming back from a wedding with his parents. And we were on the R24 at doing 120 120 kilometers per hour in the fast lane. And our back left tire burst. So that was just a little bit scary, but Kulu's a handy person to have around because he somehow managed to get us through the four lanes into the emergency lane. He knew how to, well, firstly, there was a spare tire, which is always a win, uh, and he knew how to change it, so that was good. But while him and his dad were sorting this out, my mother-in-law and I were cheering them on from the sidelines, like, go Kulu, yes, turn that thing. I don't know what it is. and this car pulls up in front of us, and my mother-in-law looks at me and thinks, geez, there's such nice people in the world, right? I'm like, yeah, shame. Like, you know, there's this young guy, he gets out of his car, 
has this big smile on his face and we think he's going to come and help us. And without much of a greeting or checking if we're alive or okay, he says, can you help me with directions? <laughs> so we're like, uh, not what we're expecting, but you know, we'll be nice humans, okay? So Kulu gets up, gives him the directions, uh, has to explain it to him three times. All the while it's getting darker and darker, but we're like, okay, shame. You know, he also needed to get somewhere. Then 10 minutes later, another car pulls up, this time behind us. And then my mother-in-law looks at me skeptically and thinks like, well, maybe this is the nice, you know, hero of the day. And he gets out of the car, but this guy looks frazzled. And he's like, I'm lost. <laughs> Can you help me with directions? So I burst out laughing, but my mother-in-law has not got the same sense of humor as I do. <laughs> and she went proper Zulu mom on this, this young guy. And she was like, do you not even care about us? You couldn't even ask us if we were okay before you asked for something for yourself. And the guy like sheepishly looked away and then like looked back like, do you, can you help me kind of thing. <laughs> so Kulu is a much better human than us and he helped him with some directions. But when I was reflecting after this, when we were safely back on the road, I was thinking about how you know, crazy our society is that when people are uh, left or presented with the best opportunity to help someone else out, they take it for themselves and try to get ahead themselves and they don't even take the opportunity that is presented before them. And you know, I was reflecting on this and I was quite angry and I was like, you know what, we shouldn't have given them help. We should have sent them in the opposite direction. <laughs> like we were the ones in need, they didn't know if we were okay. And I was like super angry, but you know, like God does, he like softly spoke to me, tried to remind me that I was a Christian. <laughs> and he, he showed me that this is actually how we're called to love others, even when it's inconvenient, even when we don't get anything out of it, we should love others because these people are loved by God just the same way as we are loved by God. You know, God's love wasn't convenient. It wasn't easy. We see that uh, by remembering him in communion, he gave his life on a cross for us. Yet we're the ones who receive this great love so openly, and then we stingily give it away. You know, just because other people stand in front of the mirror doesn't mean that it changes. You know, I can stand here and see Jesus and step away and think when someone else steps in that it changes. It doesn't. God still sees them as Jesus. God still loves them with the same love, and so should we. You know, it's not up to us of how we love people. It's not up to us of how we define this love that we share with others, because like the scripture says, it's not up to us. It's not our love to give away, it's God's love. And it says, if he loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. A way of life, that means we love our closest and dearest people, and we love the person we flook in traffic. We love those who are hard to love, and we love those who are easy to love. We love those who love us back, and we love those people who ask for directions when we're the actual ones in need. That is a living a lifestyle of love. So how does loving others with the same love help us to fight fear? 
And I think it's simple if we just look at the life of Jesus, and he's always a great example to look at. Because, you know, Jesus came down as a human being, right? So he was susceptible to the same feelings that we fear, uh, feel, which means that he too felt fear. In moments in his life, he felt fear, and we see it the night before his crucifixion. He felt fear. He didn't want to go to the cross, or he felt feelings of that. And he says to God, take this cup away from me. But then he says, actually, you know what? Not my will, but your will. And it was God's will that he would die for people who he loved. And if we look at this, God and Jesus knew that our lives mattered much more than the inconvenience, and I use that word lightly, but the inconvenience and the torture that he was going to go through. He knew that our lives, our eternities mattered much more. And so when we realize this, when we realize what Jesus did for us, we can also use the same thing. People's lives matter way more than our little inconveniences, our fears. People's eternities, people's lives on earth matter way more than what we have to experience or the little, result, um, the little things that we have to go through. So a few practical things we could do. Memorize 1 Corinthians 13, 48. You know, this will help us all understand what a biblical love is. Because like I said, it's not our love that we give away, it's God's love. And this is how God defines love. It's not, it's patience, it's kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It doesn't keep record. It rejoices in the truth. It never gives up, never loses faith and is always hopeful, enduring through every circumstances. This is the type of love that we should be sharing with others. And then secondly, we could take opportunities in 2020 where we can show love to people who may never show us love back or even be able to repay us for what we do, to, uh, do for them. You know, a great way to do this is to get in, um, involved in projects that Shine runs. You know, those are acts of love, genuine love for God's people who are struggling, the marginalized, the poor, where we can give love to people who can never repay us for what we do. And I want to tell you from personal experience is that my fear of inconvenience and my fear of stepping out of my comfort zone is far outweighed by the reward of seeing kids learn to read, by seeing whole communities being changed. Because it's not about our fears, it's about people's lives and people's eternities that matter. So firstly, just a quick re recap, we need to know that we're loved by God. He loved us first before we even knew him and that we, when he sees us, he sees, sees Jesus. Secondly, we need to love others with that same love. Not a love that is convenient and easy for us, but the very same love that God extends to us. And what is the result? Again, the result is that fear is dispelled out of our lives. Because this perfect love we experience from God and the love that we share with others fights the fears in our lives. And then we're able to be equipped and ready to save nothing for this life, save nothing for the next life. 
because it's the love that risked everything for us that helps us to risk everything for others. It's the love that was sacrificial towards us that helps us to be sacrificial to others. It's the love that conquered the fear of death that helps us to conquer the fears in our everyday lives. So let's save nothing for the next life by fighting fear with love. You know, my mom often recounts the day that Chris Harney, a struggle, a stalwart of the ANC was assassinated, not far from here, uh, in Dawn Park in Boxburg. And he was assassinated outside of his home. And my mom remembers the day so clearly because when she heard the news, her blood just ran cold. You have to understand the context is that we, uh, apartheid had just been disbanded and it was a year away from our first uh, um, democratic elections. And so things in the country were tense. And she knew that if anything happened, like many people knew, that the country could be uh, gone in, like flipped into disaster at any moment. And so she remembers the moment where she hears the news and fear grips her heart. You know, people were angry and rightly so. But what did this mean? Did it mean a civil war? Did it mean that people were gonna seek revenge? What did it mean for the country and for the people who lived in it? But then she remembers the moment that Nelson Mandela comes onto the news that night. And instead of fueling the fear, he dispels the fear. And like we know from this great man and great hero of our country, he dispels it with love. He says this, tonight I'm reaching out to every single South African, black and white, from the very depths of my being. A white man full of prejudice and hate came to our country and committed a deed so foul that our whole nation now teeters on the brink of disaster. But a white woman of Africana origin risked her life so that we may know and bring to justice the assassin. The cold-blooded murder of Chris Harney has sent shockwaves throughout the country and the world. But now it's time for all South Africans to stand together against those who from any quarter wish to destroy what Chris Harney gave his life for, the freedom of us all. You know, instead of calling for war or for revenge, he highlights the fact that it was a white Afrikaner woman who in those days would have probably been perceived as someone as a supporter of the apartheid regime. She risked her life to bring the assassin to justice for a man who was different in every way, gender, race, probably political preference. And he describes how it's possible for people to go across race and across prejudice boundaries by simply loving another human being. And as he highlighted this, he once again encouraged the country to come together. He fought fear with love. Nelson Mandela knew that love was the answer, that people's lives, that our countries, that our country mattered more than to fight fear with revenge or anger. anger. He knew that we had to fight it with love. And so he reminded people just simply to love one another again. In verse 18, it says, love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. So again, when we know we are loved, we can leave nothing for the next life 
Because if God is for us, if He's the one who shapes our identity, if He's the one who uh, equips us and empowers to step out, then why should we be afraid? And when we live in love and share the same love with other people, fears of inconvenience, fears of not being good enough, fears of not being able to step out of our comfort zones, those disappear. Because we realize that other people's lives matter. It's not about our inconveniences. So as I wrap up, you might be sitting here and thinking, you know, looking at yourself in a mirror and thinking, how can this even be true? How can I not even know who Jesus is, yet He loves me? How can I know that this uh, God, this extravagant love, covers all my sin? And you might be thinking, well, this is just impossible. But I wanna encourage all of us, and even remind us who have been Christians maybe for a long time, is that this is the beauty of the gospel. That no matter how we look, no matter how He finds us, He loves us with an everlasting love, a perfect love. And so I wanna give us, let's have a time of prayer and response. So if you can uh, bow your heads and close your eyes and we're gonna give space for people who wanna respond to this extravagant love. The love that when we look at ourselves, we don't have to see our fears, we don't have to see our failures, we don't have to see our sin. We don't have to see our mistakes because all that God sees is Jesus. He forgives us, He forgets our past, and He gives us a fresh new start. So I'd love uh, to pray for anyone who has never responded to Jesus before. Maybe you have, and in this new year, you've decided to come back, but If you wanna make this decision, if you wanna leave nothing for the next life, the best way you can do that is by simply asking Jesus to come into your heart. Because we can't do this life alone. It sucks alone. But we can do it with Jesus at our side and in our hearts. And so if this is you, I would love the opportunity to pray for you. And I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand on the count of three and it's not to embarrass you, it's not to call you out, it's simply so so that I can see who I'm praying for. And I'm gonna pray a prayer that helps you to ask God to simply come into your life, to come alongside you, to help uh, Jesus be your friend and your savior and your God. And truly you'll be able to step into this year, leaving nothing for the next life, knowing that you have a God who, who loves you. So if this is you, If you wanna respond to this extravagant love on the count of three, won't you raise your hand? One, two, three. Awesome, I see that hand. God bless you on the left there, so good. At the back there, I see that hand at the back there. So good, you are making the best decision. If there's anyone else, I see that hand. If there's anyone else, I wouldn't wanna leave you out of this prayer. You are making the best decision you could ever make. Awesome. Come on church, let's pray and let's ask, uh, let's help everyone who has responded this morning, maybe give them words to what they might be feeling this afternoon. Father God, I thank you that you love me. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me. We thank you God, that you wipe away my sins, that you wipe away my mistakes and you give me a new start. I'm sorry for the sins that I've committed. 
And I pray that you'd help me from this day forward to live a life that honors and worships you. And I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you have been blessed and helped by this message. For more information about our church, visit our website at www.thrivechurch.co.za. Thank you.